the change, the transformation, it begins in you. Welcome to episode number 10 of Naturally Nurtured Now. I am Coach Rastani Manuel, and today's episode is one that I was eager and excited to record and present because it has to do with a topic that I love discussing, food. So in episode number one, when I first launched this podcast, I briefly mentioned that I've had quite an interesting um, relationship with food and that at some point I would record an episode uh, talking more about that. And well, that moment is now. So we've come to that point uh, where I'm going to dive deeper and kind of, you know, just reveal to you more about my story um, with food, why I'm so passionate about it, um, how it has driven me to do what I do now in terms of nutrition health coaching and so forth. So this is going to be a very, very candid episode. And uh, just to to, uh, warn you ahead of time, I can get pretty serious when I talk about food. I can be a bit funny. Um, It's just one of those topics that I just really can cut loose on. And so that's why I'm really excited to just get started here. And I've decided to title this episode, What to Eat. And... um, Perhaps, you know, the title could have been something else, but I felt like what to eat was appropriate because of the direction that I'm going to uh, steer this in. So now, so right off the bat, this is a subject that can go in many directions, and I'm just going to allow this one to flow, uh, this specific episode, and savor the flavor of this moment and the process as I just talked to you. So first off, I must make it known if it's not already obvious, that I love truly and I respect food on a very deep level. Um, Reason being is because it has played such a major role in my life ever since I was a little girl. Um, When I was little, I remember standing in my grandmother's kitchen and I will say, I've got to pause here and say that my, my grandmother, my nana, is one that has definitely played a major role in how I view food and cooking because I spent a lot of time in her kitchen and I would watch her cook and I just remember, you know, watching her process and watching her do different things and being like, wow, you know, as I smelled all the aromas filling the air and heard the sounds of things frying in the pan or boiling in a pot or smelling, you know, cakes baking in the oven because she actually used to make cakes for people for special occasions. So she was like a cake caterer and I would be in her kitchen and she would be making these cakes and, and oh my gosh, I remember when she would mix the cake and then she would, you know, pour it into the pan and then she would sit the bowl of the batter in front of me with like a spoon and I would just go to town on that. So I always loved it when I knew that she was about done with mixing the ingredients of the cake mix and she was going to pour it in the pan and then she was going to sit it right in front of me 
And I, oh my gosh, I was just in heaven. I was like, yes, I was scraping that bowl clean. I remember actually putting my face because the bowl was actually pretty big. And I remember putting my face in that bowl and actually licking it clean. No joke though. And I really did enjoy every bit of that. But um, yeah, so being in her kitchen, you know, and and smelling all of those aromas and, and hearing all of those sounds. And then the best part of all, of course, being given little bits of this and that to taste test as she cooked. And so, as I said, the cake mix was one of my favorite uh, taste tester moments. But then also when she would make her homemade dinner rolls, I loved um, tasting those as soon as they came out the oven fresh and just all fluffy. And then she would like put butter on top and I would just, mm, she would give me that and they would be so delicious. My mouth is watering even if I'm thinking about that. So, and then the other thing too, now my favorite breakfast as a child, and this was when I would spend the night at my grandmother's house, um, she would consistently make me this breakfast like literally every morning because it's, it's what I really liked. Now there were some days where I just, you know, had a bowl of cold cereal, um, which was like, you know, frosted flakes or rice krispies. But for the most part, my favorite breakfast as a child, when I would spend the night at her house was a bowl of cream of wheat with about a teaspoon or more of butter and two spoons of table sugar, you know, white sugar, toast, most of the time two slices, and french fries. So yeah, cream of wheat, toast, and french fries. That was the breakfast of this champion. And that that was the breakfast that fueled me up to dance to Michael Jackson all day, mostly on Saturdays, because when I would stay the night at my grandmother's house, it was usually on the weekend and Saturday mornings was, you know, my time to just like dance. And so she would give me that breakfast and I really felt fueled, fueled for the day. Um, and it was like my magic breakfast, I tell you. And she had this cinnamon and sugar sake, uh, shaker it was like it's orange and in the shape of like this little boy dressed in a baseball uniform with a bat in his hand. Um, and she would blend the perfect mix of cinnamon and sugar and put it into that little container. And I just referred to that as the cinnamon man. So he was my first culinary love, the first tool, I believe. Like it was the moment when I felt empowered. Okay, and here's why. He provided my first experience with feeling empowered to season my food to taste just perfect for me. And so here's what I would do. So I just told you about the breakfast that I would have. So what I would do is I would put some butter on my toast and then I would grab my cinnamon man and hold it in my little hand and sprinkle that perfect blend of cinnamon and sugar on my toast. Okay, so imagine that hot butter melting on the toast and then that cinnamon and sugar on top of it. And then I would spoon a dollop of my cream of wheat on it, on the toast. And then again, I would, um, so I'd spread that cream of wheat on the spoon and then I would sprinkle it again with more cinnamon and sugar on top. So you had like two layers of cinnamon and sugar. Talk about a heavenly piece of toast. And, and this was, this was it for me. Like that, that breakfast was so good. And I'm slightly salivating now just thinking about it. Um, but anyhow, the cinnamon man played a major role in me feeling in charge of the flavor on my plate. 
that and the salt shaker. So between the two of those, um, you know, if those were on the table, then I felt in charge of my food experience. So, um, so that's just in a nutshell there, something about my childhood experience with food. And actually, you know what? I still have my Cinnamon Man shaker, actually. Um, he sits in my kitchen like a boss. He's like my trophy. I value that thing. It means a lot to me. Um, there's no cinnamon and sugar in it now because I really don't use cinnamon and sugar on anything now, but he still holds a place in my heart, and I love to look at him because he brings back good memories of being at my grandmother's house. So, see, there's always been a process of preparation for me when I sit down in front of a plate of food. First, I, I stare it down. <laughs> And I still do this. So when, when someone sits food in front of me or if I make a plate for myself, I stare it down and I analyze what I'm working with and how it needs to be strategically positioned. You know, does my rice go next to the vegetables or, you know, what's going on on my plate? And then, you know, I analyze how it's seasoned, um, sauced if needed, because oftentimes I'll add, you know, my hot sauce that I make. It's a habanero hot sauce that I use on everything. So I'm analyzing the position, the seasoning, the sauce that I need. Do I need to cut or slice or dice anything to ensure that, you know, that I enjoy every bite? So it's never a quick process or it's never, you know, I don't just dive right into my plate when I cook something for myself or if I happen to go out to eat. I really sit there and analyze the plate um, and go through this whole process of preparation and it's a process I go through every time I eat. Even the simplest things that most people would just pick up and eat takes me a few moments to prepare um, to my precise liking. So you can definitely call me a food nerd, and I'm proud to admit to that. Now, um, over the years, I've had thousands of food experiences that have trained my brain and refined my palate to become what I refer to as a food choreographer now. So while the common term is a chef, okay, so yeah, I am a chef. I went to culinary school, didn't complete my course, but it was just enough time for me to recognize that I really, really enjoyed this art of preparing food. And then I continued my own studies and experimentations in my personal, you know, home kitchen. And then this is when I, you know, came up with the term food choreography because it's truly my passion and pleasure to arrange and compose the movements. Um, and the movements, I'm going to refer to that as like the flavors and the textures and the colors and temperatures of food. So I like to arrange and compose the movements of food to produce a pleasurable production for my palate and for the palates of others um, that I prepare food for when I cook for people. So for me, cooking and eating is a science and an art. And my relationship with food and cooking has been one that has definitely evolved over the years and has only become more powerful over time as I have certainly gained more knowledge about why I eat what I eat and, you know, when I eat it. Why I eat what I eat when I eat it and why, why I enjoy the art of cooking and the process of eating and the science behind it all. 
Now, speaking of cooking, I haven't always enjoyed doing it. No. It has not always been a thing for me that I've enjoyed. As a matter of fact, I really steered clear of cooking as much as possible back in the day, you know, and I was what I will call a drive-through junkie. Yep, I was. I was a drive-through junkie. And on any given day, here's why. Because on any given day, you could catch me rolling up to McDonald's or Taco Bell or KFC or you know, a host of other spots to pick up my daily fix. And mind you, when I would eat out, I would literally eat out all day, like every day. So for example, my typical diet was something like, you know, McDonald's, a sausage McMuffin, perhaps uh, a value meal that came with hash browns and a soda. Of course, I had the option to choose like a juice, but I always chose a Coke. So the sausage, McMuffin, hash browns, and a Coke for breakfast. Way to start the day. (laughs) And then like Chipotle or some other kind of Mexican or fast Chinese food like the Dollar Scoop. I don't know if you know anything about the Dollar Scoop Chinese restaurants, but literally, you know, you could get like a huge scoop of sesame chicken or, you know, some other type of Chinese entree for a dollar and some rice, like it was a good portion. So literally I would maybe spend like $3 and get like this pile of food. (laughs) So that would be like my lunch. And then of course, add a soda to that and some kind of maybe like oversized slice of dessert, like a piece of cake that's like pre-packaged from the grocery store. Um, And typically that cake definitely didn't compare to my grandmother's cake. Hers was the bomb. The grocery store cakes always had a lot of preservatives and other crap in it. and couldn't even pronounce the ingredients, but I ate it <laughs> anyways. So the Chipotle or, you know, Mexican food or Chinese food, um, the cake for lunch, and of course the soda. And then maybe between that lunch and dinner, I'd have snacks, you know, various types of snacks. And then maybe like a soul food meal for dinner, like fried chicken or barbecue hot links, french fries and a soda or something like that. There was this place in Denver, Colorado, back in the day, no longer there, but it was called Capri Chicken. And Capri's had like the bomb chicken, like the crust was just perfectly seasoned and mm, I would drive pretty far, um, you know, to go down there to the Five Points area where it was located, just for fried chicken, more so the fried gizzards. I would go there for fried gizzards and hot links and um, french fries and the soda. And then, of course, maybe some dessert like banana pudding or something like that, peach cobbler. So that was my dinner. So I'm serious. This is what my diet used to be like. Now, this doesn't include all of the snacks like chips and barbecue sunflower seeds and you know, just random snacks in between those big main meals um, that I would enjoy, along with additional cans of Pepsi throughout the day. So I kid you not, and this sounds crazy to admit, even when I think about it, I'm like, whoa, the human body is resilient. I'm grateful that I didn't develop any serious diseases or anything due to my poor eating habits. But I literally would consume... Hmm. Really, at one point, it was really like a 12-pack 
of Pepsi in a day. That's how much soda I used to drink. That's crazy. But that's that's the truth. So I'm being really real with you right now. Now, a lot has changed, but oh my goodness, when I think about all that I've consumed in the past, it shocks me. But you know what? Like I said, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for all of those experiences because I now consider it as having been my quote unquote field research, okay, and experimentation that has led me to this beautiful point where I've now chosen to take charge of my well being and nutrition and how I take care of and respect my body at this point in my life. Not only so, but the passion I've developed to educate and inspire people just like you about, you know, overall health and nutrition and wellness. A lot of this stems from my own experiences and having gone through so many ups and downs in different areas and being able to now um, present this information to you from a point of experience and actually feeling the feelings associated with a lot of different um, behavior patterns and stuff like that. So I'm coming to you real. I know what it's like. So you see so much of that style of eating for me you know, what I just described was severely emotional. It was. It was emotional eating. There were a lot of voids in many areas of my life, and I was simply attempting to fill those voids by filling myself up with food that felt good, so-called, at the time. Um, and I wasn't really thinking about any consequences of my poor eating habits or how I'd feel hours after consuming, you know, such high amounts of salt and, and sugar and fat. I... Literally, I just wanted what I wanted when I wanted it to feel good at that moment and no questions asked. Like there would be times that I actually remember pulling over after eating, you know, um, from some greasy bag of fast food and just sitting there crying in my car and feeling guilty and more down than before I actually ate the food and full of shame and regret. But then what's crazy is what I did immediately after was so while feeling all of those feelings, I immediately would think of what to eat next to feel good. Yes, I've definitely admit to being, you know, an emotional eater. And I, I said all of that to come to this point where I posed the question, which is the title of this episode, What to Eat?, the reason why I felt it was relevant to kind of share just that brief summary, because there's so much more, and perhaps I'll do a part two, you know, where I talk more about food and my relationship with it and why now I'm so passionate about cooking and, and um, nutrition and just really core nourishment, all right, because I view things a lot differently now. But I'm back to this question here, the title of the episode, What to Eat, and I think What's even more important to ask ourselves is why we eat. Now, our, our default answer may be just because we need to eat, you know, to be nourished, to live. We need to eat to take in essential nutrients that feed and fuel our bodies to function properly. But I invite you to take a moment to actually think of that question, though. Think of it. Why do you eat? Is it always because you're actually hungry? Is it entertaining? Is it comforting? 
Maybe, you know, does it feel forced sometimes? Like, you know, you're going throughout the day and before you know it, one o'clock rolls around and you realize you didn't eat breakfast. So then you feel forced to eat because you're like, oh, I should eat. It's lunch time, you know? So is it forced or is it just automatic and boring? You know, maybe you have a consistent eating schedule and certain types of food that you eat and you just do it at a certain time and there's no real excitement around it, you know? Really, though, the question, why do you eat? That's an important one. That's something to really think about. You must know your why, I think, to know what you eat. So why do you need to eat um, before you actually start thinking about what to eat? Because we live in a society where, of course, there are so many diets, different types of diets. And I'm not one who really gets caught up in the whole concept of dieting. Um, I did recently come up with a with an acronym for diet that I refer to and that I share with my clients. But uh, the D standing for drink water because we all need water. It's very essential. And a lot of times, keep this in mind, when you think you're hungry, you're actually thirsty. You could be, you know, possibly dehydrated. And so you might be eating when in fact you just need a good few cups of water and you wouldn't be hungry. So the D in diet in terms of how I define it. The D stands for drink water. The I stands for inspire yourself and others. The E stands for eat what nourishes you. And the T stands for think positive and be grateful. And so when I think of diet in that term, you know, in those terms, and when I share that with my clients, it it doesn't feel so like pressing. It's not like, oh, you need to be on this diet. You can only eat lettuce and spinach and baked salmon. You know, it's not anything like that. It's really just those few simple things that if you keep it in mind in that acronym form, uh, it makes you approach what you're eating and consuming and how you're feeling in a different way. So back to what I was saying. So before you know what you eat, you have to know why. Why you're eating. So think of an athlete. Here's an example. So like if if an athlete has a big competition or an event coming up, he or she will train in a very specific way for that event and some kind of special diet, perhaps, you know, they'll follow some diet um, to follow for a specific amount of time. So that's to ensure that they are properly prepared for peak performance, you know. Well, the same is true for us when we know our why in life. When we know what we desire to succeed at or accomplish, you know, when we know that we want to accomplish certain things, then we ensure that we are adequately prepared and or trained to do certain things that will propel us in our chosen direction. So the same is true with food. When, you know, when and if in life, maybe you can think of a point, maybe you're there now, but when you don't feel motivated or you really don't have a clear vision for your future or what you'd like to be doing and how you contribute to the world or you don't really desire any type of real change, you know, maybe you recognize change is needed, but you're not ready to actually take the steps and, you know, the action needed to do that, then it may feel completely okay to just eat anything and not think twice about how it makes your body feel, you know? Whereas to when you're inspired and you have a set goal or vision for your life and you know 
how you desire to feel mentally and physically and emotionally and spiritually and so on, you, you can, you're then more conscious of your food choices in order to gain the nutrients that will assist you in contributing to your goals. So then that, uh, I shared all of that because then that makes you, you know, reconsider and, and analyze that question, what to eat from a different perspective. Because, you know, if you are eating for entertainment, and certainly certain occasions are designated for that purpose. You know, if you're at a family gathering or some type of event, there's good food, um, maybe it's buffet style, you kind of just, you know, eat. You're in the moment. Everybody's eating the same thing and drinking and socializing. Okay, so that's one scenario. Um, if you're, you know, an athlete or if you're training or something specific, if you're into bodybuilding or, you know, just a specific sport, you may be watching, you know, the amount of carbs you take in or protein or, you know, there may be a certain regimen that you have in terms of your nutrition that you follow to ensure your peak performance in that chosen activity. Okay, so all I'm saying here in this episode is when you consider what to eat, I think that the first step, based on my own experiences, is to really know what it is that you're desiring for yourself and your body and your overall well-being, all right? And then simply educating yourself, gaining more knowledge about certain foods, what they do, how they fuel your body, how they can make you feel, what a lack of those things can cause, what too much of it can cause, and not to go like so deep that you become critical or you become even fearful of eating certain foods. Like this is not to put you in a, um, in a position where you just, you feel stuck or you just literally, you know, you could develop an entirely different disorder, you know, um, being afraid to eat, you know, anything because some people really, um, can maybe just get carried away and go too deep and then you actually become afraid of eating. And that's definitely not a place that you, you know, want to be in because food is a beautiful thing and it is there to nourish us. And, um, you know, it's it's there to, to assist us, to be our best. And so there's no reason to be afraid. Certainly educate yourself. That's all I can say so that you can feel empowered to make the choices that you feel are best for you at any given moment when it comes to what you're consuming in the form of food. Food is information. Food is energy. Now, I believe that 100%. I can tell you based on my experiences, A, I mean, I could have had a host of different chronic illnesses as a result of my my, um, poor eating habits. And again, like I said, I'm very grateful that I don't. But I believe that despite all of that junk that I was taking in, because there's no such thing as junk food per se, there's food and then there's junk. I ate a lot of junk. But my overall feeling of gratitude for it and just how much joy I literally, I experienced when eating all of that food, no matter how greasy or, you know, just oversized portions it was, I believe that there was something in my spirit that was very pure about that process of eating. Now, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying or encouraging you to just go out and binge eat and, you know, 
just because you're joyful in the moment or grateful that, you know, you'll be in the clear and, you know, it's not going to affect your body. But I'm saying for myself, I believe that the energy in which we receive food and when we cook food for ourselves, we infuse our food with energy. That translates in many ways once it's in our body. And so all I'm saying is that, you know, don't merely, you know, consider the next time when, you, when you're sitting down to eat, um, look at that food and actually view it as information, as energy. And be grateful for every bite you take of your food. You know, some people pray before a meal. Um, some people just, you know, you can pause just for a moment of gratitude. However, and that's personal for everyone, but I believe that we should all consider, you know, before consuming food to really um, recognize it as a sacred process. Be conscious when you eat. You know, so many times when people get hungry, we just scarf food down like, oh my gosh, I was so hungry. And then before you know it, like your plate is empty and you really didn't, you're like, whoa, that food went pretty fast. I've done it before, like where I was so hungry and like maybe I was multitasking and wasn't actually focused on just eating at the moment and I was doing something else, maybe on the computer or my phone. And then like I'm eating and then I'll go back to the plate and be like, whoa, where did my food go? Like I didn't, even, I didn't feel like I really even ate because I wasn't being conscious and there with the food. So maybe you've experienced that too. So there are a lot of different factors um, around this whole concept of what to eat and why we eat. And yes, again, there are so many diets and now online there's so much information about, you know, superfoods and what to stay away from and what to avoid and don't eat this and don't eat that and don't drink this and if you if you eat too much of this then you're going to get this, you know, and it can be very overwhelming and that in itself can cause a lot of anxiety which for people who use food, you know, to fill like an emotional void or just, you know, emotionally eat when they feel anxious, they can cause you to really just go overboard and eat and eat and eat. So I think one of the main points that I'm coming to you with from my heart and based on my own experiences is really not to overthink what you're eating right now. You know, when I was sitting down and I was like, okay, should I plan this episode? Do I put, you know, some notes or, you know, should I talk about proteins and carbs and should I break down all of the vitamins and the minerals and let them know, like, what's going to fill your body and what's going to make you strong and give you healthy teeth and soft skin? Like, I was like, no, let me just steer away from going over all the facts and just break it down for you really real and come to you and let you know that you are an intelligent being. You have a brain, you have a heart, you have a conscious. Listen to your gut. I can tell you this, like your gut, your literal stomach, your digestive system. Um, I don't know if you know this, but, and I'm actually gonna pull up my facts here now. Okay, so I am gonna give you um, <laughs> a few facts in regards to um, to your gut, but, uh, First point is, is that, let me find the actual percentage here. I like to um, be prepared here. One moment. Thank you for your patience. So I'm referring to one of these, um, one of my notes here that is, is discussing uh, serotonin. And 95% of serotonin is created in your gut. Now, 
if you're unfamiliar about serotonin, serotonin um, basically regulates your mood and your memory and your sleep, your sexual desire and your function, your learning, your appetite, your social behavior, temperature regulation in your body, your heart function, muscle performance, your endocrine system, your bowel function, the way your blood clots, and so on. And so when you think of 95% of that being created in your gut, it does make you rethink um, what you're eating, what you're choosing to consume, and how you feel with your gut. So when I say, like, go with your gut, again, we're all intelligent beings. If you feel that something's not right for you to consume, by all means, don't do it. You know, someone else may be able to eat, um, you know, McDonald's every day for breakfast, and you may only be able to tolerate that once a month, if and when you ever eat out. Um, with fast food. So we're all different is what I'm saying. And if we respect ourselves and our bodies and we listen to our gut, then we're going to automatically make the best choices. And even if we slip up every now and then and don't, and we eat things or drink things that we wish we hadn't after we're done, that's okay. We have the next moment to make a new choice and to actually feel what, you know, feel the results of our choices in our body. And ultimately that is um, health care and um, t- being proactive about preventative measures or just being conscious about your choices when it comes to food because there is no doctor that can tell you really what's best for your body. Now, I will tell you as a health coach, health and wellness coach, um, you know, I, I study with and I have a lot of um, physicians in Western medicine who are mentors and and um, people that have really shared some really valuable information with me. And I'm not downing physicians or doctors or anybody else as, you know, nutritionists or dietitians or anybody. We're all just playing our roles and contributing the information that we can in regards to food and wellness and doing our part. But I will tell you this, you are the one. We are the ones who are in charge of our health and our well-being and what we're consuming and what we're drinking and what activities we're doing. We are the ones who must decide to take charge of our body and do what we know it's telling us to do at any given moment. The human body heals itself in such a remarkable and miraculous way. And so even if you do decide to tear up the junkiest meal you know, and have a few cups of soda or whatever it is that you consider, you know, not good food. The thing is, is just listen to your body, recognize when you need to shift and change some habits and then simply do it. And like I said, just educate yourself so that you know and you have a better idea of what you should eat um, based on your goals and things that you want to fill in your body and your mind, ultimately impacting your spirit and your emotional health. Because food is the means by which we welcome the outside world into our self, into our body. So it's a very intimate experience when we eat. We're bringing all of that into our body. And like I said, this is a subject that can go really deep. And, and it definitely is something that I'm passionate about. And so I think that I'll probably do another episode, um, What to Eat Part 2. So you can look forward to that. Um, I think I'll just go ahead and prepare some more information. And you can go ahead and look forward to that um, for the next episode. So look for what to eat part two. And we'll continue this. And then at that time, 
what I'll do is I'll go in more in depth about some of the facts about different things um, so that you can, you know, have some information, very basic, concerning food choices um, around, you know, different types of foods, the balance of food. We'll talk about primary food, which is everything that nourishes you off the plate, and we'll then go in deeper about secondary food, which is obviously what is on your plate, because the balance between primary and secondary food is key. If something is out of balance in terms of your primary food, which um, that includes, you know, your your primary food plate, can, it includes like your creativity, your finances, your career, your education, your health, your physical activity, um, you know, home cooking and how much of it you get, your home environment, your relationships, your social life, your joy levels. So that's all like primary food. And so when one of those areas is out of, you know, it's just out of whack, it's going to maybe cause you to eat more or less depending on your body. So primary food affects our secondary food. So yeah, we'll go in deeper on part two of this. Um, next week. So be sure to, if you haven't already, um, subscribe so that you may be notified when that episode is uploaded along with others. Um, If you're enjoying this Naturally Nurtured Now podcast, which I certainly hope that you are, because I enjoy recording it. I enjoy just talking to you. I'm imagining you sitting right in front of me and we're just having a, a candid conversation here. And I'm presenting information and inspiration to contribute to your chosen transformation. And that's the purpose. And we're just letting this flow naturally. We're being nurtured now. And so I'm going to go ahead and conclude uh, this episode. And again, look for that what to eat part two. We'll go more in depth. But I thank you so much for taking time to listen to this. Um, I realize that this one is a bit more lengthy simply because I had a lot to say. It's food. And that's what happens, like I said in the beginning of this episode. When I get on a roll, I get on a roll, and I can just keep going and going. But out of respect for your time, we're going to end here for now. Uh, Remember, as always, the change, the transformation, it begins in you. Go forth and have a beautiful day. As always, I'm sending love and light your way. Thank you.